Welcome to another tricky fifth Sunday. Um, some of you might remember that silly little term that we use downstairs in our children's ministry to explain when there's a fifth Sunday of a month. And that's when the uh, elementary age children would stay, in, um, would stay in the service with their families and we would engage the kids and engage with the kids. North River is an intergenerational church where children, students, and adults of all ages can worship and learn together. I know that God uses everyone and wants us all to be a part of his kingdom. As I often say to my kids' own kiddos, you have a voice, use it. And on these tricky fifth Sundays, I love seeing children and students worshiping up on the stage and being a part of the congregation using their gifts and their voices. So as we talk today about creating a generation of faithfully resilient disciples, it seems very appropriate to have them here. Let's start the morning in prayer. Gracious God, we praise you and thank you for this chilly morning. Lord, thank you that we can gather in your name, for you tell us that when two or more are gathered in your name, there you are also. Lord, be with us this morning as we go into your word and learn from you. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So let's talk about resiliency. That's what we all strive for, right? A resilient faith that lasts through chaos and change. And let's face it, in this past year, we've certainly had some chaos and change. But today, I want to talk about being a resilient disciple and about building up the next generation to be resilient disciples. So what is a resilient disciple? It is someone who publicly identifies with Jesus Christ despite the obstacles and disapproval of our culture. I did not create that definition. It came from a book entitled Resilient, Child Discipleship and the Fearless Future of the Church uh, by Valerie Bell. It was an eye-opening book, and it got me thinking a lot, not just about children's ministry, but about my own family and how to help build up a generation of kids that believe wholeheartedly about Jesus and can stand firm in their faith. We often think that kids are pretty resilient, but let me tell you about a few of my friends and how they have demonstrated resiliency. I have their permission and their parents' permission to use these examples. I have a friend, and he has been through a lot this past couple of years. He moved, and with that came a change in schools, and then COVID closed his school completely, and he moved to remote learning, and now he's being homeschooled full-time. His parents had a few health concerns over the past year, including surgeries and hospital visits, but he has the most infectious giggle, and when he laughs, it just tells you that all is right with the world. Despite some pretty substantial obstacles, he has never lost his sense of humor. And when things get tough for him, he can find humor in everything. He's resilient. I have another friend and her parents recently divorced. And if that wasn't hard enough, she too had to move and switch schools, I think twice. When schools closed due to COVID, she worked even harder. She is absolutely one of the smartest people I know. And even though school is different and challenging for her, she continues to work so hard in school. At home, she absolutely dotes on her little brother and always makes sure that he has everything that he needs. She models perseverance for him, and if I'm being honest, she models it for me too. Because the trials of her young life did not slow down her thirst for knowledge. She wants to know everything, and she is not shy about asking questions to figure out all of life's little mysteries. She's resilient. I have another friend, and during her freshman year of high school, COVID shut down her school altogether. When the option to return to school in a hybrid model, meaning there'd be days in the building and days at home, she chose to opt for all remote because of her family. She lives with her grandparents, and she knew that getting the virus could be detrimental to their health. I truly admired her tenacity to stick to what she felt was best for her family, even if it meant putting her own happiness aside. She's resilient. 
But these are just a few of the kids that I get to spend time with. I bet we can all think of someone in our lives that has been through some of the yuckiest things that life can throw at them. But their sheer determination, their grit, gives them the strength to stand up, dust themselves off, and face the next day. These are just a few examples of how our kids have shown how strong of a resolve they have. That even in the midst of chaos and change, they buck up and keep on keeping on. But in the challenges that the last 12 months have thrown at us, how do we teach kids to maintain a resilient faith when everything around them is in complete chaos? Over the last few weeks, we've been on a journey of resilience. We've learned what it takes to be faithful, to be hopeful, to find contentment, and last week about looking for the goodness, the goodness within the context of resiliency. But how do we become resilient disciples? How do we raise a generation of resilient disciples? In this age where so much of life is virtual and so much of life is contrary to what we believe and so much of life is hard, how do we maintain that desire, that ability to fight? How do we show our children and our grandchildren and our nieces and nephews that we all get knocked down, but it's our ability to get back up again and persevere in the face of adversity that makes us stronger? Stronger in our convictions, stronger in our resolve, and stronger in our faith. First, we need to remember that he chose us. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you. That's what Jesus says in the first half of John 15, 16. He has already chosen you and I to follow him. There's a line from the book of Esther, and I use it a lot. It's a phrase, for such a time as this. When we think about the current climate and the culture that we are in, we're living in some pretty strange times. If we think back to just a year ago, our headlines were full of Trump's impeachment hearings, uh, Kobe Bryant's unfortunate helicopter accident, Star Wars Episode Nine was making millions in the movie theaters, and last January, COVID wasn't even on our shores yet. We weren't overly concerned about it. Who would have possibly imagined that a year later, we would still be in a pandemic and that schools would still be closed? We didn't know what a hybrid model was, let alone a cohort. Most movie theaters are closed and are declaring bankruptcy. And we throw around terms like social distancing and we have to remind ourselves to go back and get a mask. And yet here we are in such a time as this. Yet Jesus chose us and appointed us before we ever decided to follow him. He chose us as his own in such a time as this. To be chosen and to be used by him is a humbling notion, but nonetheless, he has called us to be his disciples. Jesus was not just addressing the first century fishermen when he made that statement. He was speaking just as much to us as he was to them. We are chosen by Jesus, our teacher, to live a life of purpose and teach and lead others to follow him. In my role as children's ministry director, part of my job description is to teach the kids, and I love that part of my job. I will tell anyone who listens that I have the best job in the world. I get to play with kids and teach them about Jesus. But in my position, I often learn as much, if not more, from the kids. I love when the kids and I are getting messy and getting into a lesson, and they're trying to figure it all out, and then they have a major epiphany. Their eyes light up. I had just such an occasion recently when I was talking with a first grader, and he was listening to the lesson, and he and I began to talk about, about how Jesus died and, and why Jesus died. I told him that Jesus did all of that, and he went to the cross because he wanted to. He did it for him because he loved him. This little guy was baffled for a moment, and then it was like the light came on. He got all excited, and he said something like, he died for me? All of a sudden, the whole story just made sense to him. 
In that moment, my role of teacher was totally worth it. But I also learned a lesson. I learned that making Jesus personal to just that one kid and keeping it simple made all the difference in the life of that one child. That Sunday morning, a little first grader learned that Jesus chose him. Sometimes I think we need to learn that lesson too. Second, we need to remember that he has called us to raise up a new generation of resilient disciples. Look at the second half of John 15, 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit abide. This does not necessarily apply only to parents or grandparents. Discipleship is teaching, sharing, and equipping others with biblical concepts, all the while guiding others to having an intimate relationship with Jesus. Mentoring others and offering them your experiences, your knowledge, and blessing them with what you have is bearing fruit. Sharing the gospel with anyone is useful. After all, the purpose of Jesus choosing us is not only that our sins be forgiven, and not only that we'll have an eternal life. He chose us so our lives will be fruitful in fulfilling his purposes. So what does that mean? Well, we all know that an apple tree has apples, and maybe we should be Christian trees. Maybe our fruit can't be seen as visibly as apples, but from our trees, we grow love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Our fruit is being patient with our little brother when he wants to watch Paw Patrol again. Our fruit is being loving to our big sisters when they don't want to play with us anymore. Our fruit is extending peace to our friends and neighbors when they have a different political opinion than us. Our fruit is gentleness when we forgive others and surrender our feelings of self-righteousness. Healthy fruit can only come from a healthy tree. Spend time with Jesus. Get to know him intimately as your Lord and Savior. By accepting his purpose in our lives and spending time in the scriptures, we strengthen our faith. Pastor Paul convicted me earlier this month about um, spending time every day reading the red words in the Bible. That's how we build up a strong and consistent faith reading the very words of Jesus. And who could forget Pastor Christie's approach when she was up here on the rowing machine demonstrating uh, physical strength while she built up, I'm sorry, uh, her approach about building up spiritual grit while she got on her rowing machine up here for us all to see. She built up physical strength as a way to demonstrate for us how to build up our spiritual strength. Healthy fruit can only come from a healthy tree. And we need to maintain our own spiritual health so we can show others what it means to have a healthy spiritual life. But now we need to focus on building up another generation of resilient disciples. This doesn't mean that we're done with ourselves. Discipleship should be an ongoing, almost cyclical process. We become disciples and then model that for others. Let's go back to John 15 again. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. So that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so you will love one another. This leads to my third point I want us to remember. Love. Love one another. John 15, 17 says, These things I command you, so you will love one another. I spent some time reading some pretty startling statistics about the future of the church, especially here in America. Some of you might be familiar with the Barna Group. If you're not, Barna is a research group, and their website explains their mission as strategically tracking the role of faith in America and having developed one of the nation's most comprehensive databases of spiritual indicators. Some of the research I've been particularly interested in is on the group they call Resilient Disciples, and they've published a few books on just this topic. 
What Barna has found is that 10% of young Christians consider their faith to be uh, vibrant and robust. That means that in, in the United States, uh, 4 million young Christians consider them, their faith to be strong. Between the ages of 18, and 18 to 29, these people consider their faith strong. But here's what I find most fascinating. 43% of Americans accept Jesus before the age of 13. That's amazing to me, 43%. If that child accepts Jesus before they reach the teen years, they're more likely to remain absolutely committed. In the world we live in now, our kids need a consistent faith, especially when compared to the world around us that is so contrary to our, to our beliefs. Our world is very virtual now. And let's be honest, not everything in this virtual world is wholesome and family-friendly. So what can we do to help these kids maintain a resilient faith? Love them. Kids need an adult who cares, an adult that can love them. Every book, every podcast, every article you read will tell you that kids need an adult that cares. Most kids are led to faith by a parent, but there are some who receive the message from a friend or another relative. But every child needs that adult that cares. I am very blessed. I have an arsenal of adults who love my kids like their own. Most of them are in this room, or on the other side of that camera. But I know there are people out there that love my boys, that spend time with my boys, and spend time praying for my boys. It makes parenting teenagers a lot easier when I know that there is someone out there that they trust that they can talk to when they don't want to or they can't talk to me. As I look around this room and see the faces of my kids' own kiddos and their families, I hope you know how much I care for your kids. It is my greatest desire that your child grow up and know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. I have a lifelong passion for serving him and for abiding in him. Some of my kids' own kiddos have made that profession of faith, but there are others that ask me questions because they're really, really hungry for the truth, and they really want to know, but they aren't quite there yet. And I encourage them to keep on asking. That's one step to building a strong and resilient faith, that discernment, and it is key. Every kid needs an adult that cares because someday these kids are going to be challenged. They're going to be faced with hard questions. And if they have someone they can trust, someone they can go to and wrestle through some of those topics, they will find themselves with a stronger faith, and they will be lifelong disciples. And that cycle continues because then they can teach it to the next generation. Now, I don't share this with you as a ploy to get you all to serve in children's ministry. That's a whole different discussion for a whole other day. But I hope that you will take to heart how much it means to anyone, not just a child, when we come alongside them and disciple them and love them and share the gospel with them. Your words and your actions could mean the world to someone and make all the difference in their life. As I was preparing this message on resilient disciples, God was certainly teaching me and my family resiliency. And to be honest, I really kind of wish the lesson was a little bit easier. You see, when I think of a resilient disciple, there are so many to choose from, right? I mean, you start in Genesis with Noah and Abraham, or the many prophets, or King David. Let's not forget the 12 disciples themselves, or the countless other men and women in the Bible that served Jesus. But one other man comes to my mind who worked tirelessly to bring others to know him. He was a devoted family man that served his family and served his church as a Sunday school teacher for many years to kids and adults. He modeled biblical precepts and guided others to know the Lord. I was blessed to call him Grampy, and he passed away on January 15th. Now, I don't tell you this to get your sympathy or to make you feel badly. He was just shy of his 88th birthday, and he lived a good life. And I know where he is, and that is certainly cause for rejoicing. But I tell you this little bit about my grandfather because I love the legacy that he created. 
I believe that he truly was a resilient disciple and that he worked his whole life to demonstrate what a Christian is. He lived and obeyed the words of God, and he really demonstrated to my family what it means to live as a Christian. During his career, he always, always, always had a calendar with scripture on it. Some of his colleagues used to tease him about it, about always having a Bible on his desk. It was never confrontational, but he got teased about it all the time. Well, one year, his new calendar was late to arrive, and he had to go a week or so without his scripture calendar on his desk. He was expecting his colleagues to be relieved that the new calendar hadn't arrived yet. Instead, he was shocked that they were all waiting for his new calendar. You see, they wanted to know what the scripture was too. He lived every day at work and at home being a disciple, following the Lord, and people not only recognized that in him, it got them asking him questions. And in some cases, those men that teased him went on to become believers. The world he was born into was certainly different than the world he left behind. But his unwavering devotion to the Lord allowed him to live a life of faith and truth. Every day he lived his faith, and he brought the light to so many. I want to live a life of faith like that. I want to share the love of Jesus with others. I want to raise up a new generation of resilient disciples. So here's my big idea for today. The church of tomorrow needs disciples of today. Our culture is fluid and things are changing so quickly. There are always going to be events that will forever change how we see the world. This pandemic is shaping and it will continue to shape how we see our world. It will affect our actions and our beliefs. So how do we maintain that spirit of resiliency? It's really hard sometimes, right? No one ever said it would be easy. But let's hold fast to Jesus, knowing that he chose us, that he called us to raise up a new and fruitful generation. And of course, loving one another will make all the difference in creating a healthy and fruitful generation of resilient disciples. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much for calling us, for choosing us before we could ever make that decision for ourselves. Lord, help us to leave this place today and go forth and bring your light to everyone that we meet. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen.